Hey, Anna. Hey, Mike. I got a surprise for you. What's that? Well, I have set up a Patreon page for A Dog's Life. What's that then? Well, Patreon is like a crowdfunding thing, so people who love the show can support us, and it's called A Dog's Life Club. A club? I like the idea of being a club, like a private members club. Well, yes, it's not quite that fancy, but it's, you know, step one to getting there. So there's two tiers. For only £4 a month, you can be an official patron on Tier 1. And if you love A Dog's Life, and I'm guessing you do, or you wouldn't be listening to this now, and you want to help to support us, that's what you can do for just £1 a week. That's £1 per episode. That's, That's less than coffee, less than a newspaper. Or you can join Tier 2, which is Top Dog. Top Dog. (laughs) And with that, for £10 a month, you will get access to all sorts of bonus content. You know that talk you did at the Natural Health Show during the summer? And people have been asking to hear that. Well, if you join Patreon, you will be able to hear that full talk. We'll do some hot takes on some breaking news, the kind of stuff you do at Jeremy Vine. But the best bit is your training course. I know, yes. So, you know, my top tips on various things, isn't it, Mike? Like walking to heel or training your dog to go into uh, their bed on command or a number of all sorts of other things, including even training your dog to walk backwards. Exactly. So once a month, people will get a new lesson to help train their dogs. So, Mike, hang on, though. What if people can't afford to do the Patreon or might not feel it's relevant for them, but they still want to listen to a dog's life? Is it still free? You can still listen to it for free every Sunday on Apple or Spotify or even YouTube now, just like you've been doing now. You don't have to pay. You can follow us and subscribe for free and keep it as it is if that's what you like. But if you'd like to help support us and keep us going, join Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash a dog's life, or you can find the links in the show notes. The link is always in the show notes. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know how I believe that all dogs are emotional support dogs. You definitely are. But today we're meeting up with Richard Mearns and Selena Valentine to talk about a new charity called Assistance Dog Assessment Association, which is helping independent dog owners who have trained their dogs to become assistance dogs. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Welcome, Richard, back to A Dog's Life. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Anna. It's good to be here again. Yeah, well, I'm so excited about our conversation today. And so I'm also going to introduce the amazing Selena Valentine. Hi, yeah. Thank you and welcome. Oh, no, lovely to meet you because you're kind of working with Richard on this project that we're announcing, really, which is the Assistance Dog Assessment Association. Now... This is a charity, isn't it, Richard? Yes, that's right. It's a, it's a brand new charity. Brand new charity that, in a way, has been, the way I see it, been born out of quite a lot of the problems that you've been through, in a way, with your own assistance dog, Ziggy. That's right, yeah. So it's, it's very much a, a charity based around uh, sort of standardising assistance dogs and ensuring that uh, owner-trained service users get the similar opportunities that other charities provide to assistance stocks as well as other things which we're going to touch on within this because there's a kind of a bit of a confusion isn't there or uh, a vague 
uh, line between certain assistance dogs and other assistance dogs in so much as I think perhaps if you have a physical disability the access is more obvious to be granted than for an invisible disability as it were. Absolutely, there, there, is, there is across the UK a lack of clarity and to be fair across the world a lack of clarity of what an assistance dog is. Um, every, every day you see the, the standard assistance dogs around various charities, really good charities doing great things and what we wanted to do was set out to sort of open the door up to assistance dogs to individuals who need assistance dogs who have a disability and it is a recognised disability to enable them to have the confidence to go out and carry out their normal day-to-day tasks. So would the ADAA train the dogs, find the dogs, I'm going to bring Selena in here and then qualify the dogs or would it be a bit of the other way that your actual clients have got a really a suitable dog and they want to build that dog up to become a qualified assistance dog? It's a really good question. So we stand out from the crowd in that we do not do any of the training. We don't breed any dogs. We only offer an independent assessment for dogs that are with disabled handlers. So we do not help you find the dog, we don't breed them and we do not train them. We're just an independent assessment. So could that make things more difficult for you in a way, in that some real, you know, person really in need with, you know, severe emotional trauma would love their dog to come with them everywhere but when you know um, push comes to shove as it were their dog isn't going to qualify for whatever reason it might be too anxious it might be slightly reactive it might be a rescue that has got previous trauma themselves Um, I mean might that happen? Yeah that might definitely happen and the, the reason behind ADAA is to ensure that these dogs are fit and healthy and they cope with these stressful situations. I think people underestimate actually how stressful it can be for an assistance dog, especially when you take them to busy environments like airports and aeroplanes and things like that. So yeah, we are, we're here to look at the, the health of the dog above everything else. Yeah, no, totally. But I, I think all the charities um, do do that. Yes, definitely. You know, but it's also about, I suppose, pe- managing people's expectations, perhaps, yeah. um, in certain situations. I know um, I was helping... Um, a lovely lady train her very working type Labrador to help her just become an emotional support dog. Well sadly you know we didn't pass bronze on first go of the Good Citizen Dog Scheme Award which is one of the um, parameters for some organisations to kind of go forth with with further training. So anyway we're working on it all but she's a very highly tuned working gun dog so they're not always the easiest because Ziggy here, (laughs) Richard loyal co-pilot very much so yeah <laughs> he's half and half isn't he yeah so he's half he's half show and half working lab and and what's crucial about the work the ADA is is doing is is focus very much on assistance dogs so so dogs that carry out a task similar to other charities but dogs that carry out a task for individuals so it can be any type of dog any breed of dog generally and what we will do is we've got a network of assessors across the UK uh, in various locations where we will 
assess an individual's application and that assessment is in relation to the service user themselves, their disability and evidence of, of their disability and so on and so forth. And then we also have the second phase which is in relation to the dog. Uh, we have strict guidelines on, on the age of the dog, the, the, the health of the dog and um, those sort of key areas to to ensure that we've got the right balance we've got somebody who requires a dog that has has a need for a dog and so a dog that is suitably trained because like selena said we don't train them up the it's this is about the owner providing adequate training to do the tasks to help them negate their disability which is very key in this in, in this to provide that sort of clarity right yeah and and it's really fulfilling a gap isn't it that's existing in the industry at the minute because not everybody can wait for years to you know put their name on the list for a dog from one of the the many you know other organizations that that do as you say Selena breed and have their own breeding program but it, these are under the assistance UK dogs aren't they? Yeah so those kind of programs generally are under the assistance dogs UK there are a couple of organizations out there charities out there that do it themselves as well that aren't part of assistance dogs UK um, and they're all perfectly legal as well um, and they offer people some great opportunities that like you say they can't wait the, the time it takes for some of the other organisations. So, um, yeah. Exactly, you know, because you know, all of the puppies that are born, you know, they're like guide dogs, they spend a year of their lives as, uh, you know, their puppy walker, yeah. learning the ropes and, and so on. So, you know, you are, um, you are looking at a minimum of two or three years yeah. in many instances. It takes a long time to train an assistance dog and whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're through a charity or they're training it for you, it does take on average about two years. Yes. Um, it's a long time. Well, long time. absolutely, if you're waiting for one, it <laughs> certainly is. Yeah. You know. But Selena, your experience kind of goes before you. You've trained yourself, haven't you? Lots of assistance dogs. Yes, yes. So um, I've worked with another organisation, Canine Generated Independence, um, who kind of really kicked off the owner-trained um, area back in 2016. Um, they became an amalgamation of individuals who wanted to wear something that was the same. So um, we all came together and, and we started that. So I was a qualified dog trainer, so I aided with training assistance dogs for them and assessing them for them. And canine generated independence is absolutely fantastic. And I think ADAA is the next step forward for the owner trained industry. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so excited about this. I mean, from your perspective, again, Selena, as a dog trainer, do you think realistically certain dogs are kind of going to make the grade more than other breeds? Or, um, you know, is that being totally doggish? So just thinking here of my, of my bull terrier. I mean, do you think you'll see many bull terriers <laughs> passing the exams? It's down to each dog and their own personality. I'm not a breedist. I'd hate to say that every Labrador will make it and every Bull Terrier won't. <laughs> it's down to each individual dog. Of course it is. Oh, I was just joking <laughs> there. <laughs> <You know. laughs> um, quite hilariously, actually, I just wouldn't like to think. No, but I mean, certainly as an icebreaker, 
you know, for people. Dogs are just so brilliant oh, and, yeah. and dogs help us so much. I mean, we may as well say we're, we're recording this as the nation is in mourning from um, our dear Queen who has recently passed and we're actually in the Queen Elizabeth Stadium, aren't we? In the Olympic yeah. Park, yeah. That's where we are, in the Olympic Park. And uh, it just, everyone's just thinking about, you know, dogs at the moment relating to the Queen or I am. And, you know, this is why it's so important that your charity is, is launching or has launched because everyone deserves the joy and the support of a canine companion and dogs do make so much of a difference bringing back independence. I mean I argued on air the other night, I didn't argue but I postulated that the Queen's first corgi was really her first consort because she was quite nervous at public speaking and very young. And you look at the photos of her with her first corgi, Susan, and it is pure joy. Those photos epitomize pure joy. And in a way, this is what you're helping people, you know, obtain on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think dogs are incredible. Animals are incredible. For me, obviously, my life turned around when I had Ziggy introduced to it. And to understand the process of getting to a standard where you can call your dog an assistance dog is slightly different to calling your dog an emotional support dog. Because I would argue most dogs are emotional support dogs at some point because they recognise behaviours, they will always turn to their owners with, with assistance dogs, crucially they're their next step up they, they do the emotional support and then on top of that they carry out their tasks they carry out all the bits in between um, and that is such an important thing especially for someone with a disability Ziggy is, is a master he, he carries out a number of tasks he, he, he's, a, he's an enabler he, he enables me to go out and do normal things and and that is the key that is the key element to what we're trying to do is is to bridge that gap of the owner trained community who who require dogs to ca carry out tasks for them and once those those dogs go forwards they'll have a lead slip which we will provide as part of of the qualification assessment process and they will have the ability to have the confidence that their dog is up to the anticipated expected standards of any other assistance dog in the UK. And will the charity really be campaigning for access awareness, if you like? Um, because it seems to me that the issue still keeps happening. Not only with you, Richard, I've heard some other awful stories of people being thrown out of various food establishments and, you name it, public places, because, you know, it wasn't clear. I think if you think a good guide dog, for the blind, maybe gets in, but I've heard stories where that hasn't even happened. Um, so there's a lot of education that I think also needs to go along parallel with this. Yes, definitely. We are very um, proactive in aiding service providers with education that not all disabilities are people in wheelchairs, they're not all uh, visible disabilities, and that the dogs are here to help people with a whole array of different tasks for each individual person so we are very very proactive in that. Oh that's good it needs to happen I mean it's yeah. really quite shocking because it is actually breaking the law. <laughs> yeah it's, it's a very it's a very important role as well because um, giving someone the confidence to go out in their daily sort of 
living their life normally. I think one of the key challenges is the, the threat or fear of having that refusal because it is very different going shopping without an assistance dog than it is with an assistance dog. I, I know from experience and I know from anecdotal experience that people are stared at more, people want to go out and do their normal day-to-day -day tasks. You get children saying, oh, why is that dog in the, in the shop? And the parents going, oh, that's a special dog or stay away from that dog, clear of that dog, all of those positive noises. But you also get the sort of negative things where you walk in, you want to go out and buy your shopping and you get refused entry at the outset, which is damaging to the individual as much as it is potentially breaking the law. It has a knock-on effect because that individual, and I've experienced it, will not want to go to that shop again, will not want to do their normal day-to-day -day living. Yeah. And having to live with a disability is difficult at times having to live with a disability where you have an assistance dog with you, I think it's just as difficult because you are saying, I have a disability and you are standing out and showing that you are continuing to live a normal life because of that with an assistance dog. And in the owner trained community, that's, that's, that's prevalent. Um, and our lead slips that we will provide give a small sort of nod to the fact that the dog is qualified and it gives the confidence to the service user that their dog is to standard but as you say it will happen it's a societal thing and not only is it societal but it's a legislative thing and I think it's a long game I think people have been lobbying for a number of years uh, and it won't be a change anytime soon so awareness is key mm. education is key and business is stepping up to the mark and rather than hiding behind the we have complied with legislation, actually taking that one step further and saying we've complied with it and we've taught our staff. And I think that's very important. Yeah, and it is about education and, uh, you know, of the staff um, in all dog-friendly establishments, really. And I find it ironic because dog-friendly, <laughs> hashtag dog-friendly, has really boomed, you know. Many canny entrepreneurs are cashing in on the hand pound. So it does make sense, as you're saying, economically, you know. Absolutely. Those shops that want Richard in there with Ziggy, spending his money, not going to a competitor's place instead you know but Selena I mean for you over the years you know how have you seen this change or do you think we're still a bit stuck in a rut with our attitudes on assistance dogs I think we're still very stuck in a rut um, I myself have gone obviously I'm in a wheelchair and I've gone with my assistance dog who's now retired and I've had people say to me oh no only guide dogs are allowed in here and I've tried to argue with them. And then in the end, I just go, yeah, yeah, he's a guide dog and carry on with my shop. <laughs> Quite clearly I can see because I'm in a wheelchair and I can see where I'm going. And he says assistance dog, but I kind of think, well, I can't be bothered to argue with you. <laughs> but most definitely um, of late, I've been training my newest assistance dog. And because the, the training sessions are short, yeah. I've done little stints walking into the shops rather than getting my wheelchair out because I'm literally in and out. And I've had a lot more access refusals just because I'm stood up oh. and not in my wheelchair. Put me back in the wheelchair and I don't have the refusals. So we still have this sort of divide between what is disabled and what isn't disabled. Hey, Mike. Hey, Anna. 
I was just going to ask, are you around later maybe just to meet up and have a chat about that project? I'd love to, but after we finish this Zoom, I've got to go to the corner shop and get another box of sandwich bags. Oh, gosh, sandwich bags. Golly, you know why? We, I do know why, because we feed Paleo Ridge, and Paleo Ridge offers such a rich, diverse range of protein sources that it's such a great idea to thaw out, for example wild venison and duck well that's what uh, i've done so ours is just defrosting now and by the time i'm done it'll be defrosted but it's a kilogram box and obviously he's not gonna eat all that today so i'm gonna take it out and put it in the different sandwich bags and we put them back in the freezer and he's got his meal for every day that's brilliant but you see what i do i go a step further so when we get a delivery i might also thaw out for example their lamb tripe and chicken so that what i'm doing is decanting different protein sources into different freezer bags so that i can do this which is ensure that prudence and mr binks in every meal they eat about four different protein sources right, okay. per meal yeah because there's evidence now out there in the field of nutrition that actually concurs that a minimum of three ideally more protein sources in a bowl at one time will maximize the microbiome and boost your dog's immune system oh, okay oh well we'll do that then so i should then defrost uh, like the the tripe the lamb tripe i have yeah definitely as well I mean, and mix them together Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, okay. for me, I always have a bit of tripe in there. And I love the way that Paleo Ridge offers both beef tripe and lamb tripe, which is quite unusual. And it allows, you know, two different protein sources of tripe, which raw green tripe for me anyway, is like an elixir for dogs. Well, we know everyone knows Anna. Anna Webb is the queen of tripe. Yes. What an accolade. <laughs> so... If people want to get their tripe and various sources of protein from Paleo Ridge, they go to paleoridge.co.uk. In terms of emotional support, is that, I mean, that obviously is in my view, um, an assistance dog, an assist, you know, if you, I mean, I won't go into my particular clients' um, individual details, but trauma has meant um, she hates driving on a motorway on her own. Um, the dog's already given her so much more confidence, um, talking to people um, on the pavement, in the park, able to actually drive around the North Circular, and this is a massive achievement already. Um, but, it, I mean, where do other charities stand on, on emotional support? a really good question and I'm so pleased that your client has progressed with the aid of a dog that is absolutely lovely oh, I know, to no, hear. It's brilliant actually you know? and the dog's still very very young actually. Yeah mm, it's mm. amazing what dogs can do. I um, know. It really is and you, you don't realise it until you until you have it. I mean again I myself I have panic attacks um, because of my condition and having my dog with me made my life so much easier to go out because I knew I had the support of him there or I could turn to him if I needed him. Um, but ADAA, um, we do ask that the dogs have three tasks that they can do for the handler. So even 
on an emotional support level if the dog is trained to do things like distract the handler by nudging them or taking them to an exit they wouldn't be classed as an emotional support dog they'd be classed as a mental health dog an emotional support dog is a dog that isn't trained to do anything for somebody they are just comforting there when they're in presence with them so it's a it's a bit of a fine line right yeah they would be classed as a mental health dog because they'd have tasks that they could do for somebody okay okay but but an emotional support dog wouldn't be a mental health dog no even though it is no just having the comfort of having your dog in the presence doesn't make them an assistance dog okay no a lot of people have asked me this Mm. yeah it's a very it is a very fine line and i and i I revert back to what I was saying earlier, it's by having a definition and uh, in legislation that would assist, yeah. but m- getting that definition is a lot harder than just asking someone to ch- mm. chuck a line in at the bottom of legislation and putting an A next to it. Yeah. It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot harder to get to that point. And oh, like we said, we, we all love dogs, they are so valuable generally, and assistance dogs are just as valuable. And if not more so because of because of the the need to complete those tasks because they make by completing those tasks they take the emotional support element to the next level and and that ne- that next level is is very much the the support and ability to normalize the disabled service user's life yeah uh, and and what i'm so kind of touched by in a way or impressed or you know proud of is you Richard because you've gone from not having had a dog to bringing Ziggy into your life and now you're spearheading this charity to help others which I just think is is amazing so much has Ziggy inspired you yeah I think I I, yeah it's very much a full circle because like I've mentioned previously on previous podcasts I went went through a traumatic time and as a result of that I ended up in a position where I, I was suicidal and and nearly took my own life and then a number of years later life turned around Ziggy was introduced by a charity uh, we left that charity and then continued on our own and then became owner trained so all of the stuff Ziggy does is reaffirmed by me the training is done by me and the continuation of of what at times I laugh at is is done by me but he is an exceptional dog and by giving me that opportunity it then turned the opportunity around to be able to become a trustee of the charity Selena and others led forwards with this and it's something that I can get behind and support wholly because purely my drive to get it right for others is so important to me because it's where I was when I was having difficult times and it's given me that ability to to deliver on this charity and that's something that we need to push forward on. Yeah, Selena, I mean, you must concur with all that. Oh, 100%, 100%. I mean, going back to the start of my journey, I looked at some of the charities um, and one in particular said to me, if I found a dog trainer in the area that could help me, I could become a member of their charity and and I sat down and I thought about it and I thought well if I become a dog trainer I can help more people and that's that's where my journey began uh-huh. um, and it actually all started from me being disabled and, and I want to give back to the owner trained community the way that I've gained from it very much the same as Richard 
Yeah, no, tell me about your dogs then, so obviously I've met Siggy. <laughs> yeah, so my original assistant's dog um, was a chocolate Labrador called Cougar. So he's also like Ziggy, he is a mix between a working and a show lab. Um, and he's very goofy as well, um, bit of a joker. Um, he is 12 in February, so he has now retired because um, he's got arthritis. So he's now resting and uh, putting his feet up and showing the little one, who is a little Dutch pointer, oh. um, the way to do things. But the Dutch pointer is on a bit of a break from training for the next six months while his hormones balance out. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he hit teenage and yeah. started to rebel. <laughs> but a Dutch pointer, it's so interesting, actually. So I've been talking to, there's a Dutch pointer show mm -hmm. that happens in Essex every year. Mm -hmm. Do you know the one I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, yes. So they were reaching out saying, oh, you know, would I go along and yeah. chat on the microphone? If you, but it clashed with something, so I couldn't do it. But they're very rare, aren't they? They are very rare indeed. And that's, that's what drew me to them. Um, and in answer to your question they're not the ideal breed to go for interesting point um, but I really liked the breed so I thought well he'll make it or he won't <laughs> whatever <laughs> he is mine um, and we'll see where we go but yeah hormones have taken charge at the moment so hence why I am dogless with me today <laughs> so would would you as assessors insist that a dog was spayed or neutered to become um, qualified so we don't we're one of the only charities that don't have that um, and that's partly because they are the owners dogs um, okay. so we don't feel that it's right to force it upon people um, and there are studies showing that there are health benefits to keeping dogs um, entire um, as well <laughs> as well as for behavioral reasons um, so we're, we're not forcing it on anybody if their dog is then they done it and that's that and if they're not then they're not and the other thing I remember I was talking at an event a few years ago and this wonderful lady I won't name the charity came over and said I so enjoyed your talk loved your talk which was about nutrition and she said oh my previous dogs they all ate you know raw diet Anna but unfortunately I'm tied to feed you know my dog now with what the charity you know gives me and I could tell she was a bit mortified by this say the least so I think you know she would have preferred to feed something else not mentioning any names um, so would it, would it be similar with with what dogs eat they can eat what they want yeah they can eat what they what they want within reason obviously dog appropriate food oh, yeah and I mean dog appropriate food <laughs> you know no vegan diets for the dogs no um, but yeah again because they are the owner's dogs um, they can feed them yeah. what they feel is necessary for their dogs yeah I think this is um, so great you know so how many trustees are involved so there's four trustees right so there's Peter Gorbin Kirsten Dillian's oh, I know five. Peter Gorbin. Five now. Five. There's five including me. <laughs> right. Let's get the maths right. Let's try that one again. Let's try that one. So, so there's Peter Gorbin, Selena, myself, Kirsten, and Sandra. And Sandra. So, so it's always four because I'm the fifth. <laughs> uh, and all of those trustees come from a variety of backgrounds, from worked with a variety of charities and have a very sort of uh, dog focused uh, approach because that is key to getting this right. Absolutely. 
you can rock up with a dog, but unless your focus is that the dog can do the job and the welfare of that dog is right for the owner as much as the owner is right for the dog, that is the key to getting this right in the sort of owner train sector. Because what we do is we assess them at the end. So that is, that is our role, is to provide them with that confidence and that assessment to walk out and say that their dog is up to standard and have that backing that they are considered as a, an assistance dog. Yes. And that, that's very important. Oh, it's, it really is. And um, I'm fortunate to have met Peter several times. So he was involved with medical detection dogs at, at one point, which um, I was involved with for uh, quite a few years, actually, which is brilliant. And Kirsten, I know as well. She's a great dog trainer. And so that it's almost like it's grassroots. for grass, So it's not just, you know, celebrity yeah, no, it's, supported it's, that might give you a bit of that extra, you know, sparkle. But actually, really, you know, you need people that can talk the talk and walk the walk. Yep, exactly, exactly. And, and like Richard said, we've all got the experience within the assistance dog industry, whether it's owner trained or not. Um, we've got behaviorists involved, you know, so we've got a real our passion is for the dogs and, and like Richard said the welfare of the dogs yes yeah absolutely but also the people you know oh, yes um, because uh, you know I know from doing training how it really boosts your confidence mm. training a dog oh, yeah. um, you know I learned that as a child it was fantastic um, so actually doing the training yourself with your dog oh. <laughs> you know, can help the process oh, in yeah. fact um, it's a great achievement you feel happy yeah. and excited about the tasks that you've taught them to do yeah because it's not easy let's face <laughs> it you know training a dog is um not um necessarily easy and it takes yeah. a lot of patience consistency repetition yeah. and commitment and planning right so, you know you know Absolutely. richard right we're going to do the Queen Elizabeth line today, a new train line. That whole station, the whole train smells differently to any other line at the moment because it's brand new. All these things make a big difference to a dog. Mm, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you think about the way they see the world as well through their nose, the things that we don't see, um, the noises, like you say, the smells, it's, it's crazy. It's, every time we put them in that kind of situation, we expect them to be perfect. And we have to remember that they are a dog and they have their own experiences and feelings as well. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 no, amazing. So in terms of funding, people listening that might want to support you, find out more, Richard, what's the plan? Yeah, so we, at the minute, are very new, very young, and it's very much the chicken and egg scenario. We know full well that there will be, as with all the other charities, interest in applying to have your dog assessed. Um, and for us, at the minute, we very much need funding because in order to provide the adequate assessments, we need the suitable trainers, we need to ensure that the costs are covered for those trainers. It, it is very low cost uh, across the board, but we need that we need that support we need that funding as with every charity everyone wants someone's pound somewhere down the line and for us we want people if businesses to come along and sponsor us to provide that support for service users we want individuals if they if they feel that they are able to connect with with our our mission 
is to come to us and offer to raise money for us doing events, doing anything, be it bake sale, be it running a marathon, anything in between. We really want people to come forwards and really assist us delivering on what we have. We've got 13 qualified dogs at the minute, which sounds small, but it's huge for what we've done it on, because uh, we have done it on a shoestring. And I think that to enable us to get this flowing and get all of these people the right support in the right place, we would love people to come forward, donate money where they can, and they can do that on our website. Um, they can do it via uh, Amazon Smile as well, so they can donate when they purchase on Amazon. There's, there's various ways. If they look at our website and follow through to us we've, we've, we're developing our social media platforms again this is done by five volunteers social <laughs> media is so tight so, so, your website I love it I mean orange is um, one of my favourite colours <laughs> so I love the branding and it's very clear you know it's not too long winded um, gets to the point which is great and yeah. it's clear where you, you donate but I guess as well it's about getting the momentum engaging the press getting the case studies getting awareness out now and we can all get out and about more yeah. now which is fantastic yeah, and, and perhaps go to events like discover dogs maybe coming up have a presence there and yeah so so we're we're slowly developing that but with all of these these events comes a cost and and that's that like i say we've been doing this on a on a on a shoestring and trying to get this off the ground um because it's working people are able to use their dogs as assistance dogs and have obtained access to various premises they have also um, flown around the world and universities we've got universities lining up for the next year's students to have their dogs assessed so they can be on campus with them oh that's great that is brilliant and and the aeroplane thing i think is amazing because i mean so many people write to me and say annie you know i'm flying over to the states or a long flight you know i want my dog in the cabin you know and i'll say well you know it's not going to get in the cabin good luck with that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's very difficult, and and uh, especially aviation industry itself is 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 very difficult because it it's not about UK legislation; it's about international legislation as much as anything else. So it is really bridging gaps, uh, and we can start that process and and build on that. And that's stuff that we will be working on in the future to really bridge that gap to enable people to do that. Obviously, there will still be certain certain parameters that the industry will set we won't be able to meet sometimes but actually uh, in a majority of cases we will and uh, that's what is important about this and this charity and the ADA as a whole is we are doing this to make life easier for service users we're doing this to make life better for people and and that is a massive massive impactful factor because these dogs will be saving their in owners lives they will be enabling those owners to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. Yeah, things that you take for granted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's, uh, that's the thing. I and mean, they are 
our saviors, dogs, man's best friends. So I'm, I think this is brilliant and congratulations, guys. I think perhaps everyone's getting ready here in Olympic Park <laughs> to tidy up the gardens. I can hear a lawnmower going off in the background. Yeah. So let's sign off here, but listen, uh, let's do another one. I'd love to even talk to some of, um, you know, your trained dogs and their owners yeah. and, you know, keep the momentum going. Thank you for having us. But crucially, if you're listening to this and you've got this far, please look us up. Please donate to us. Please help us deliver something that will be so valuable to so many. There's two year waiting lists for charities. We don't want to be that two year waiting list. We want to be as short as possible and we want to be able to provide and deliver to the owner training service users with assistance dogs to enable them to carry out their tasks so any help would be amazing just to make your ordinary dog extraordinary absolutely thank you thanks guys thank you that's our show mr binks what did you think yes i know this is really different and it's aiming to bridge a big gap and you're right it is time for woof of the week (coughs) All dogs are our emotional support dogs, but to become an assistance dog, it just takes a little extra to go to that extra level. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again to Richard Mearns and Selena Valentine for joining me and all the links to Assistance Dog Assessment Association are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer, for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free. That way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye for now.